So this album right here kind of closes out the more adolescent part of uh, this podcast. I got into this album when I was about 17, uh, close to when I turned 18, actually. And I think it's the most stylistically distinct thing from anything else that I've covered so far that is something I listened to while I was still technically, you know, a kid in in, uh, in a late teenage year. This is uh, Scumfuck Flower Boy by Tyler the Creator. I'm not going to call it Scumfuck Flower Boy the whole time. I'll probably just refer to it as Flower Boy for the most part because... You know, that's usually how I have to in normal conversation, because often you can't just go up to someone and talk about something that has scum fuck in the title. <laughs> the beginning here, the first track, has a very apt title, but not exactly an interesting one. It's called Forward, and it instantly takes me back to a time when I used to kind of hate Tyler the Creator. I think it's because this was the song that originally changed my mind on that. It's the first song on the album, and when my, my best friend showed me this album once it came out, I my, my perspective on Tyler as an artist definitely changed drastically. I used to think he was one of, like, actually the worst rappers of all time, and I think that's not exactly an unpopular belief either. He's definitely a, a controversial figure in the music world. That much speaks for itself nor does it necessarily have too much to do with this track. So, you know, I'll I'll leave it at that. That's something that's, you know, not does kind of research that doesn't really have its place in a podcast like this. But uh yes, th- this album's re- or this uh this album is representative of a a turn in my taste and my perspective with regards to Tower the Creator and this track is one of the more reminiscent of that change. Now, while I can praise how this seemed to change my perspective on on some things regarding Tyler the Creator's music, as well as the the art of his contemporaries, who a lot of them tend to sound vaguely similar in a lot of ways, this also reaffirms some pre-existing notions now that I have about other artists that he often features on this album, the first of which being Rex Orange County, who is back with the same kind of whiny, vague and uninteresting, embellished lyrics that I complained constantly about in the last episode of this when I covered his album, Because You Will Never Be Free. But uh, the production kind of complements his voice a little bit more. I, I definitely believe that Tyler the Creator is a much better producer than Rex Orange County is. For whatever reason that may be, it's kind of irrelevant. But Tyler the Creator, as a producer here, is much better at, at creating a, an instrumental that will match up more with Rex Orange County singing in a much more effective way than Rex Orange County himself can. Not only this, but it has a, a very nice ending in terms of one that you know goes on for a long time after the last verse has taken place. It's, it's very good at, at, at closing out the song in another way that I think Rex Orange County has, has tried to create, but has like I also complained about a lot, uh, uh, failed for the most part. When This Flower Blooms is also a pretty good track on the side of Tyler, but the more interesting thing that comes from it is the person who he features, who is uh, another one of my my favorite artists, actually, uh, that being Frank Ocean. (laughs) When Frank Ocean came in, I remembered a lot of the, the articles that surrounded this album when it first came out about Tyler the Creator being gay, and I know that if like 
Anybody who has any idea about that is listening to this, they'll probably be wondering what my take on that is. And uh, honestly, I don't have a take on it. I literally could not give a fuck if Tyler the Creator is gay or not. And I, I don't care at all. I don't think it changes any of the, the content of the music. It doesn't like make it more difficult for me to listen and relate to some things knowing he might be talking about a dude in it. It just it doesn't fucking matter to me. And so I wanted to clear the air about that now going forward because there are some mentions in this song and in songs appearing later on the album that are are kind of linked to the, the craze that centered around Tyler the Creator's coming out. And uh, yeah, I, I don't want anything to do with that discussion because I don't care about any artist's sexuality for the most part. Back on the note of uh, Frank Ocean, there's definitely something I noticed uh, in praise of, of his performance here is that he has a very flexible persona and style. The kind of verses that Frank Ocean gives uh, on this song and his other appearances throughout this album and even more in Tyler's discography are definitely very noticeably distinct from the kind of music that he himself puts out. And it's it's still reminiscent enough of his music and style that like, oh yeah, like Frank Ocean is here. You know, I, I know what to expect, but like, you know, who knows what he's going to do on, on a track like this that he doesn't usually make. And so it's it's reminiscent enough for you to identify Frank Ocean's style, but it's different enough for you to appreciate the kind of variation that he can bring to the table in a feature. Sometimes there's something else that also made me think of Frank Ocean, specifically his uh his album Channel Orange, where he has several like little thirty second to a minute long breaks between some of the songs to like I don't know. I guess clear your palate in a way with something that is stylistically different if there are two songs that maybe sound a bit similar. You know, he separates those with, with uh, something like, like Fertilizer. That's the one I remember most from, from Channel Orange, is he just has this little break that's like a something about fertilizer and how it's made out of shit. And sometimes it's a bit similar to that. Not that it's made out of shit, but that it's a little, you know, 30-second break from what you were just listening to because the song after it does sound a bit similar. It also has a a, a stark reminiscence to uh, Mac DeMarco's album Rock and Roll Nightclub, where, like in this track, there are a bunch of those, you know, short in-between uh, for tracks, and it's especially good on Rock and Roll Nightclub because almost all the tracks in that sound really similar. But uh, they're they're like, you know, radio skits of like a a radio DJ talking to the audience or whatever. And uh, I, sometimes sounds good, and it doesn't really feel like it's ripping off either Frank Ocean or Mac DeMarco and how it presents itself. I think it just like shows a source of inspiration that Tyler the Creator has from people around him, and I enjoy it. <laughs> See you again, and I swear to God, I'll get to Tyler, the creator here, but uh, introduce me to Caliucci's. It's Caliucci's, Caliucci, I'm going to pronounce it differently probably every time, and uh, either one or both of those are completely butchering the way her last name is pronounced, but I really, I don't fucking care. <laughs> There's some weird ad-libs in this song, moving on to like, uh, you know, Tyler's actual performance in his own goddamn album. And there, like, uh, there's a scene where, or a, se a section of the song, where the, you know, the 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 key is about to change, the production is about to shift, and you hear Tyler say like, "Switch it up," which sounds dumb. Like it's like a it's like a spoiler. Like I don't 
I, I don't really want to know that it's about to switch up because the transition would be much more interesting if I didn't know a moment before that the song was about to get different. It would sound better if the song just got different and like it, you know, it's keeping your attention. But adding switch it up to the end there just kind of makes the the section kind of stumble into the next. I I don't like it at all. But it's definitely a, a very small glint in this song's uh this song's shine because it does stand out quite a bit. It's definitely been one that's uh been popular amongst the other songs on the album on its own. And I think it might be this is one of the few times that Tyler the Creator has given a shot at like actually singing and it sounded good. He he definitely tries to sing quite a bit and he does it a few times in this album and I think this is the only time especially on this album that it really sounds any good and on his other album there are a couple songs uh perfect and uh what's it called find your wings both times are, are other instances where Tyler seems to actually sing well and in all three of these songs that I've listed that shared this quality they're all songs that he did with Kaliuchi's so it's definitely an interesting trend that seems to be continuing even through Tyler the Creator's you know newer releases and I, it's another thing that I really like and the flow of this album is kind of locked in by this song like I said uh when this flower blooms does sound noticeably similar to this song and forward before you know when this flower blooms also sounds kind of similar but it's definitely a, a kind of flow that's being presented and locked in here that has room for a lot of variation as these last three songs do sound similar in a lot of ways but none of them really sound samey in the same way that uh some of the songs on mac demarco's salad days seem to that i talked about at length on the podcast i did for that album now, the comment I made about the flow of this album locking in is actually completely shattered one track later with Who Dat Boy. Uh, this track came out, I remember, a bit before the album did with its music video. I genuinely thought the music video was, was pretty great. I don't remember a ton of it now except for the first couple scenes where, like, Tyler the Creator's building some kind of weird mask that looks like a white person for himself. But his acting in it's really good. And his acting is... Honestly, like something he should capitalize on more. I think Loiter Squad is some of the funniest shit I have ever seen and watched in my life, but I digress. The song is much less enjoyable than the music video. And ASAP Rocky is, is in this one. ASAP Rocky and Tyler the Creator have been collaborating quite a bit over the last year. And every time I hear anything done by the two of them, Tyler the Creator's uh, part in the work is noticeably better. And even when it's not that great, it's still a lot less grating than ASAP Rocky. ASAP Rocky has this line where he says, Standout guy, him don't need no chair, but where the fuck him at? Because nigga, I'm right here. And I know I may sound like Ben Shapiro going into the specific semantics and uh and vernaculars used in any line of a of a hip hop song to to denigrate it but it's not the way Aesop Rocky speaks in this line it's how fucking bipolar it sounds it's like standout guy him don't need no chair is a compliment i suppose i think calling someone a standout person is a good thing and then he's instantly like furious he says but where the fuck him at cuz nigga i'm right here I don't get it, <laughs> but I also don't think it really makes any sense. Uh, 
And ASAP Rocky just kind of continues with this nonsensical bullshit because his verse in the song and the rest of the song for the most part, but that which is exemplified by ASAP Rocky obviously stands out more, is super repetitive. This song feels like it goes on for way too long. And if the song was not in the album at all, I don't think my opinion of the album would be any worse or even that much different. The song doesn't really add anything. And it kind of seems like it should have just stayed being a single. If there's one good part about this song, it's the very end where the song 911 from later on the album starts playing. And every time I hear it, I get excited because Who That Boy is over and 911, one of the better songs on this album, has started. And then about 30 seconds into the song, Who That Boy ends. And then that section of 911, you have to wait to hear until it actually shows up later in the album. So the only thing good about the song is just the other song that the beginning of plays at the very end. <laughs> you thought I was taking a shit on Who Dat Boy. The next track, Pothole, is the worst song on the album. It definitely starts with some, some pretty cool imagery that's going on. Tyler, the creator, is talking about, like, I don't know, driving around a place that he, he seems to be familiar with but hasn't been for a long time. And uh, it, it sounds good. Like, you know, it's him it's him driving around and, and being kind of anxious, like talking to people he used to know. And then the chorus starts. And it's just like a, a little bit of a pre-chorus with uh, Tyler, the creator, and his collaborator here, Jaden Smith, who say, like, I had to switch gears on him. And a bunch of other, like, car lingo worked into the verse which is passable. I don't think it sounds very good. And then for what feels like eight excruciating hours, Jaden Smith says, nigga, that's a pothole. Watch out for the pothole. Watch out for that pothole. Watch out for that pothole over and over and over again. And it's terrible. It feels like it goes on ad infinitum. And even once the second verse comes in with Tyler, the creator, things don't get that much better because he just has some bafflingly stupid and edgy and kind of pretentious lyrics going on here. There's this uh, one joke he makes where he says, I left a condom in the grass, so fuck off, which sounds like a joke, but it really isn't. It doesn't make any sense, nor does it really have a punchline. I, I dare anyone to decipher that line even with any kind of context that's been established in the song that you could bring to the table. The line... I left a condom in the grass, so fuck off makes zero sense. And this is my hill to die on. Uh, another edgy line, like I mentioned before, he says, everyone is a sheep, me a lone wolf, which sounds like something I would have written on Facebook when I was 13 years old. And that's not something I want to think about at all when I'm listening to Tyler, the creator. I know that sometimes he struggled with being really edgy at times, especially in his older music. And that attitude had been mostly absent, luckily, from, you know, the the following parts, or the, sorry, the preceding parts of this album. But here, when he says, everyone is a sheep, me a lone wolf, it sounds edgy, and it sounds bad, and it's <laughs> really stupid. And then he makes a, a skirt noise, because, haha, car meme. Uh, Tyler then closes it out with a, a problem that I was mentioning earlier in the album, uh, his singing. Tyler, the creator's singing does not sound very good. 
and a bad song like this would maybe be a little bit less bad if Tyler the Creator wasn't so bad at singing or if he just was bad at singing and he didn't put it in at all. But we we got it and I I can't say I'm too happy. I don't like this track at all. And it's it's the worst one. This album would be better without it. <laughs> Garden Shed is a track I have mixed feelings on. I think it's got some high highs and some low lows. First of all, it's got this really unnecessary annoying VCR buzzing in the background because it's aesthetic. And it's got some weird very clashing production going on. Even when I say high highs and low lows, I mean there are also some sections of the song where there are sounds that are pretty high that are trying to cohese with sounds that are really low. A lot of like high percussiony cymbaly stuff with some super low bass noises and it sounds really weird and I don't like it. It's not weird in a good way. It doesn't seem funky. It doesn't seem like it's uh it's trying to be niche. It just sounds kind of trashy and tacky. The instrumentals in this track are so loud. <laughs> They're way louder than they should be. And for the most part, it seems to muddle the vocals to a degree. Some points you have no idea what's even being said in the song because the instrumental can't just like back off for a second. It's absolutely smothering and, and suffocating any vocals that are being presented and performed here and uh it's not that great there's a little shift in the middle of the song i think that sounded awesome because the production did back off a bit it became more of a backdrop to the lyrics that were that were being sung and it it, it sounded pretty good i mean the, the the lyricists they had on this they they were good singers tyler the creator wasn't even you know terrible on his vocals in this like it, it sounded fine and that lasts for about 30 seconds and then it just gets even louder it goes straight back to it's like melting into uh tumultuous cacophonous secure uh obscurity and uh even though a lot of the song does sound pretty good doesn't sound bad for the most part it's just kind of annoying sometimes to listen to i could have the song on the background as much as i want but as soon as i have to start paying attention to how much the the sounds in it seem to clash and the overuse of so many sound effects it kind of bugs me the indulgent criticism uh finally ends with the next track here which is boredom it is my favorite track on the whole album it has this little thing that actually gives the the vcr buzzing and garden shed a bit of purpose because you can hear it in about the last minute of that song and it carries on into about the the first 15 or so seconds to this song and so i'm glad that it didn't play through too much of this song but for those first 15 seconds it also could have just been absent because it's completely unnecessary and nothing really would have changed uh it's definitely got some more appreciated lyrics from Rex Orange County. I mean, there are literally less words that he has to sing overall. He's repeating a lot of phrases, but those phrases themselves aren't necessarily bad. I think Rex Orange County is fine in this one. The The production complements his voice, like I said before, in, in forward. Uh, the lyrics don't really sound too whiny. It, it honestly doesn't really sound whiny at all. I couldn't pick out a moment where what Rex Orange County was, was saying or, or singing that he sounded like he was complaining or, or being self-deprecative and all the other kinds of lyrical trends that 
ruined his last uh, Because You Will Never Be Free. Not only is it the best lyricism from Rex Orange County on the album, it's also some of the best from Tyler. There's a line in here that I really love, enough that I, I took it down, where he says, uh, I've been in this room so long, my eyeballs have turned into drywall. Not only is that you know, interesting and it's, it's meter and it's rhyme scheme, but it's also a really cool piece of imagery. One that like this album does pretty well with its imagery, but I think this, this is even like a standout example from that. I just, this idea of like, you know, being alone cooped up in your, your house for so long that your, your, your eyeballs themselves have seemed to, to dry into, into just a crumbly material. I like it. It's pretty cool. This uh, track also, in its lyricism, kind of brings overall this tone of like Tyler not necessarily being happy or comfortable with the kind of way he lives his life now that he's, you know, a full-time musician and he has to spend a lot of time inside, you know, alone doing a bunch of work on his, on his, his computer and his, you know, his software or whatever, recording things that his extroverted personality has started to eat away at him. He's, you know, talking about wanting people to, to hit him up with some with some plans that he can, you know, justify being a reason to, to stop working for a bit. And it's definitely something that I myself can relate to, and that's probably most of the reason that I like it so much, is just this idea of being an extroverted person who has, you know, so much to do at home and also has so little to do outside of home that their personality kind of uh kind of kind of chews away at them for a while and is imploring them in the background of their mind to like you know get out and do stuff because that's what gives your your body and your mind energy i so i definitely you know definitely enjoy that that's the, one of the best things on this whole album and you know, it's not just because of that that I think this is the best track on the album, but that definitely plays into you know how highly I think of this. It's this kind of attitude of uh, being a person, you know, ready to work as much as you have to, but also someone who has enough uh, social, you know, connection and empathy that the the repercussions of that are are noticeable, even if it's not something physically exhausting. I ain't got time, a lot like Who Dat Boy. I feel these tracks are very similar, and that's because they're very abrasively produced. Uh, it's one of those songs that uh, goes with the philosophy of the the most amount of huge bass you can put in, uh, the better. Because, I don't know, I guess now people's car stereos and, and you know, m most most stereos that people have have like a some kind of subwoofing. And... I, the more you know the more bass we can we can throw into a song the the better it sounds when you're at a party or you're you're driving in your car and it it just gets worse as it goes on not only is it kind of annoying with all the bass but it it gets even worse and even more abrasive when it gets into the trap section uh Tyler gets into a lot of lyrics about uh how important he is and how busy he is which feels like it's just a less self-aware kind of narrative and point of view that's being expressed from the last song, Boredom. And so this song is just strictly worse in pretty much every way. And he also just constantly says, I ain't got time. 
Like, there isn't really a chorus where he's just saying that. I mean, he pretty much sticks it in in, like, every few lines, whether it's an ad lib or whether it's, like, an actual lyric that's part of the verse. He he really wants you to know that he ain't got time. He ain't got time for these bitches. And, uh, I, uh, I don't like it. 911 slash Mr. Lonely are going to be two songs that I, I kind of cover separately because... Even though they're on the same track, they are, uh, are are part of a trend that Tao the Creator frequently does in his music, where he takes two songs that sound a bit similar and puts them into the the same track on the album as like some kind of uh, anthology, I suppose, of a uh, you know the theme that's being expressed throughout the song. He did this in uh, his single version of uh, IFHY where uh, the song from Wolf Jamba plays after IFHY is done, or at least, uh, you know, the, the very beginning of Jamba is played. He's got a song called Party Isn't Over underscore Bimmer underscore Campfire, I believe it is. It might, it might be in a different order, but it's those three songs. That's also part of Wolf. But out of all those, I think that 911 slash Mr. Lonely is pretty pretty much the best example of that because the two songs are not only thematically and stylistically similar but some of the lyrics that are portrayed really give off the feeling that these are two songs that are very intrinsically connected and so putting them onto the same track feels even more justified than if they were two different tracks because i i think if you put the songs on two different tracks both would just be two like very short tracks but also if you're playing the album on shuffle you would probably end up hearing these songs with several songs in between them and the kind of thematic elements that they share would likely be lost on the listener. There's one thing about this song that I'm always curious about when I listen to it, which is the child singers. Now, they must have hired the child singers for this because they sing way too many lyrics of the song, you know, with its actual melody for them to have sampled this from somewhere else. So I'm really curious, like, <laughs> just what the kind of uh, uh, behind-the-scenes, you know, complications and circumstances that were involved with getting child singers on a Tyler the Creator album were. I mean, Tyler the Creator has been literally banned from several countries. People know that he's a controversial figure. And so I'm wondering, like, you know, what kind of auditions and agreements with parents were were brought about. <laughs> to have a, a child choir singing on a Tower of the Creator song. This song itself isn't necessarily controversial. This song itself is really good, actually. It, it sounds great. There's nothing about it I, you know, I wouldn't let a, a kid be on. He doesn't really swear that much. And he's definitely not talking about killing faggots like he has in his past music that's got him banned from, from several Commonwealth nations. There's a section on here from uh, Frank Ocean again, which is much like his his last segment, very very short and sweet, and definitely captures a lot of the the credence that I was giving Frank Ocean formerly in this album. It also really exemplifies how bad ASAP Rocky is in this album because Frank Ocean does not even need nearly as much time to perform as ASAP Rocky has on this album and Frank Ocean's performances are way more memorable and way more enjoyable in just about every conceivable way so you know I'll take any chance I can to to knock ASAP Rocky on this album I suppose 
And uh, that's me doing it. Mr. Lonely also presents something that is uh, done often by Tyler's contemporaries, but Tyler in this album and, you know, the people he's working with do way better. And that is self-deprecation as it's presented in Mr. Lonely. Now, the self-deprecation I'm referring to is, as you can imagine, that from Rex Orange County. I've complained constantly about how self-deprecating and whiny Rex Orange County sounds on all of his albums because of his, his more self-deprecating lyrics. Tyler the Creator does them much better because he takes a completely different attitude to those those self-loathing feelings. Or Rex Orange County seems to be focused on pitying himself and uh, begging to to be accepted by those he's, you know, uh, speaking to narratively. Tyler the Creator is completely focused on you know, how he views himself, and he is fucking pissed. He is not at all happy at how lonely he is, but he also doesn't pity himself. He doesn't even necessarily see it as his own fault. And while that's fallible, I think it's supposed to be fallible. Rex Orange County literally sounds like he's whining like a fucking child about the kinds of things in his life that he doesn't enjoy. Tyler, the creator, is just kind of like... <laughs> He's just kind of roasting the problems in his life. He's talking about how he has the talent, the face, and the funds to, you know, have the kind of relationship and, and attention that he so desires, but he still doesn't feel it for some reason. And that doesn't make him feel bad for himself. That just makes him feel fucking angry. So I, I, I think this is another one of the best songs on the album for its lyricism, but also the fact that it does sound really good. I think the, the production here... Uh, has a bit of Tyler singing, and it does sound good. It doesn't really sound too auto-tuned. I don't know if it is auto-tuned, but this is one of the few times that Tyler the Creator can sing well on his own. It's not as good as when he sings with Caliucci's, but it, it's passable. It's palatable. Dropping Seeds is exactly one minute long, and it's perfect because that is the, the exact amount of time for which I can in one sitting tolerate Lil Wayne's voice. I really don't like the way Lil Wayne sounds, but he has some some interesting sounding lyrics here. The imagery's good, uh, and I always forget that this track is only a minute long. Actually, I always expect it to be longer once Tyler's verse starts, but then I remember that Lil Wayne is the majority of the song, and it could be better. It could be worse. It could definitely be longer as long as there wasn't more Lil Wayne because he it definitely feels like he is. Not overstaying his welcome, but he's just, he's hes perfectly staying his welcome in this track. And so I can appreciate that, if nothing else. November has a cool theme to it. The idea of November is a, a time in your life where you felt nostalgic or, or more connected to yourself. And I think that's something a lot of people do actually feel in November Many, many people definitely say that they, they think autumn is their their favorite their favorite season of the year. And a lot of the times it has to do with uh you know, the the things that occur. Summer that comes before autumn is a time of uh of liberation and freedom. And it has to do with uh being as boundless as possible. But once the fall really sets in and you know, you're in the middle of October and November 
you're you're starting to hunker down a bit. You're preparing a bit more for the winter while still having the leeway that summer has left for you to be able to, you know, get around, to be able to, to go and see people. And so I think a lot of people have nostalgic connections to the month of November. I know I definitely do. And maybe not only just the weather, but I, perhaps Thanksgiving even, or, or just having gotten off of Halloween, the <laughs> the most self-destructive holiday of the year. You know, I, I think November is a very uh, cushy, calming month. And I think that its its presence as a symbol here is definitely a good way to widen the, the scope of this album's philosophy. How the creator here has talked a lot about the things he's accomplished and sometimes the kind of misery that his success has brought him. But November is really all about nostalgia and all about thinking about what he's come from. Even if for a lot of the song, Tyler seems incredibly anxious that uh, if one day he'll fail and he'll end up, as he says, in the shitty apartments that's across from Bank of America. So this track isn't really one of the best sounding ones, but I think it's it's lyrical content really it really breaks through i absolutely love the section where it's a bunch of uh people tyler knows and even some odd future members are are talking about what their quote november is i think it sounds great this song is is cool i like it glitter is kind of kind of poppy i i like the way this this song's instrumental goes Tyler's creator singing is tolerable for about 15 seconds and then you realize just how auto-tuned it is and it starts sounding really ugly. Sometimes I forget it is actually Tyler the Creator singing at all because the auto-tune is so bad. Anytime he he augments the pitch of his voice upwards, it sounds kind of shitty. He does it a lot on uh, on Cherry Bomb, which I have always thought is the the worst aspects of Cherry Bomb, like in uh in in Two Seater uh, there's a, a scene at the end where his voice is pitched up in uh, fucking young. His voice is pitched up. It always sounds kind of terrible. Like, it, it's not quite high enough to be <laughs> nightcore levels of annoying, but it's. I don't like the way it sounds at all. There's a cool slowdown section, though. That part really rules. Tyler, the creator, actually pitches his voice down which from its normal timbre, and I think that is a, a way better option than, than pitching it up. I think that part sounds really great. And uh, there's a cool line in that where he's, he's talking about, like, uh, well, it's pretty much the whole verse that, that's really cool. It's kind of more of a, a melancholic reconciliation uh, of the ideas that are expressed in 911 and Mr. Lonely. It's kind of the dark side of, of Tyler's ponderings about his social life where he's talking about, you know, something not working out and that he doesn't want someone to, to try and save him from the loneliness, even though he is desperate for that kind of attention. And I I think it's great. I definitely think that the uh, the ending that this, this track has, it has a very long ending. I think that would have been cool to kind of usher out the album, but like I have in pretty much every podcast... <laughs> I'm not very satisfied by how this album ends. I'm very picky about finishing songs, and Enjoy Right Now Today is definitely the one I have the least complaints about. There's only one thing about the song that I don't like, and it's the fucking baby laughing. This song would be a 
perfect closer. It would have been like like Johnny's Odyssey in uh, Salad Days, where it's all instrumental and it's about production more than anything else. And it actually has this cool section at the end that has a a car door opening up because at the very beginning of Forward, there's the noise of a car door shutting. I think that's cool, especially if you're listening to the album on repeat. This track is, is funky. It has several phases to it. It changes, but it's just a wee bit too long. I think instead of four minutes, it could have been a, a better like two and a half or three. And more than anything else, the fucking baby laughing is super out of place. And it, it makes me cringe almost. I don't like the sound of babies laughing in funky hip-hoppy music, I guess. Overall, I, I again think this album has quite a few high highs and quite a few low lows, and I mean that more than in any other album that I've said it about. Some of the parts on this album are, are absolutely a, a blast to listen to. Some of them are, are very thought-provoking, and for all of those, there are just about as many, not just about as many, there aren't, there aren't two, there aren't more, but you know, there's enough to, to drag it down a bit. It's a lot of sections that are just stupid. A lot of them that are, are boring or annoying. And I think I'm confident setting this album at a, a strong seven out of 10. Uh, thanks for listening.